you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Um, this is Andrew from Iowa. Uh, just say real quick, I love your channel. Love the work that you do. Um, I'm curious if and possibly where you draw the line on atheists going too far in activism. Um, the case that comes to mind to me is the World War One Peace Cross case, which is American Legion, no, American, the yeah, American Legion versus American Humanist Association. Um, basically, there was a World War One memorial on government land in Maryland that included a 40-foot-tall cross, and the American Humanist American Humanist Association filed suit and eventually went to the Supreme Court. I think it got decided a couple years ago, like 2018 or 2019. Um, the court decided that the cross took on a secular meaning and it stayed. So I totally understand where atheists would get annoyed with a giant cross on a war memorial. But also it's honoring dead soldiers. Like Maybe we relax a little bit on things like that. Um, I also think that when evangelical Christians or the far right see things like that, it just gives them ammunition to think that they're persecuted. Um, but I'm also a veteran, so I fully acknowledge that I'm biased towards the memorial. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, anyways, again, love your work, love what you do. Just curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Uh, let me address it piece by piece. First of all, you said it gives them ammunition to, you know, feel persecuted or whatever. You're right. It fuels their persecution complex, and that's a problem for sure. But the real issue here is the fact that that persecution complex exists by default anyways. Literally anything that we do is going to fuel that persecution complex. So when I make decisions, I don't base it off of how their persecution complex is going to get worse usually. I mean, it might be in the back of my mind to some degree, but I'm not going to let them get away with something if it genuinely should be done just because they want to feel persecuted. Now, regarding what you said about whether or not that was even necessary. Let me summarize the case according to my understanding of it. From what I understand, there was a cross in a war memorial, like a big cross statue. And I believe this was on public land, right? Um, on the public property. And I, I think the FFRF sued the city or whoever erected it because it was a display of religious stuff on public property, right? According to the Constitution, that is against the law. I don't know what loophole they used or how they got away with just leaving it up. I don't know, but constitutionally, that is illegal. You're not allowed to have displays of religion on public property. Um, now, as far as how I feel about it, I'll give you this. Sometimes atheists do go too far in things. That's true. But we live in an adversarial system right now, for better or worse. There are people on each end of the, sp the spectrum doing things that they want to see done, right? If this group over here is the only one suing for what they want to do, and the group on the other end of the spectrum is just sitting around not doing anything, the Overton window the window of acceptable pub public discourse is going to shift over 
further and further and further. The FFRF may have been doing something a little bit extreme in that case. Like I said, I don't know that specific case very well. I can't speak to it. But if they do do extreme things like that, that go a little bit over the top with what they're fighting for, it's only to keep things clear and in line so everybody understands exactly what the law is. If FFRF hadn't sued to have that cross taken down, we wouldn't know if that was actually considered legal or not. Every time somebody sues somebody else and it goes up the chain to like the Supreme Court or wherever else, it clarifies the laws for us. It, it makes it more clear where the country is morally and how we feel and what we believe as a country and how things should be. So I understand sometimes FFRF or American Atheists or whoever go a little bit over the top. I get that. But I want people going over the top sometimes so that we can clarify the rules that we're all expected to live by. If FFRF was denied in that case, now we know. They're, you know That's not a part of the rules. It's just clarifying things for us. So I am in favor of them suing so that kind of thing doesn't happen. Um, I am in favor of reporting teachers for doing things that are illegal in the classroom, for teaching kids about Jesus, talking shit about gay people, exactly what I went through and what Kylie went through. I believe in that stuff because it helps us clarify the rules and set precedents so we all understand what's okay and what isn't. Hi, this is April from Texas. I was just wondering about how exactly Jehovah's Witness proselytizing works, like in terms of not exactly public places, but public living. Like I lived in an apartment complex for a year and a half, and it was just down the street from a kingdom hall. And I never once got anyone knocking on my door, and I never saw anyone knocking on doors at the complex. So I was just wondering, why is that? Is Do they have a rule they can't go in complexes, or is it... They would have had to make a deal with the landlord. Yeah, just wondering. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, as far as I know, Jehovah's Witnesses have never made any deals with any landlords. Uh, landlords probably wouldn't make a deal with them anyways. But aside from that, let me explain what how it worked when I was in the religion. Things have changed since then because now we have technology. It's more widespread. And I'm sure that they use that to their advantage now. But when I was in it, they weren't using technology, though computers existed and were very prevalent and, and all of that other stuff. I'm talking 2005, 2006, this is how it worked in my congregation. The Kingdom Hall would print off just a gigantic map of the entire area, every district, every street that was in our vicinity that we were supposed to be knocking on they would print out a, a huge map and they would cut the map up into little tiny squares about this big. Usually the maps would cover about a full neighborhood, right? So people would come in and they would check out these maps. They were called territory maps. And when they checked them out, the, the goal was to work the entire territory. We would go out in service. Uh, there would be like a car group leader who was assigned to take a, a whole group of people out usually a man who was leading the group as the spiritual head, because men are the head of 
women and children and everybody else, of course. Though on occasion there were women who were pioneers, quote unquote, would go out in service in their own car groups and they could check out territories too. So they would check out these territories. We would work it the entire streets. Sometimes it'd take a month. Sometimes it would take a couple of weeks. Sometimes it would take two months. It depends on how often you go in service and how long you work while you're in service. After you finish working every single door in the territory, you return the the laminated map to the box and it goes to the back of the stack. You check out a new one from the front of the stack. So by doing that, any number of Jehovah's Witnesses can cover any amount of territory. You can have 10 Jehovah's Witnesses doing three hours of door knocking per week total, uh, between each of them. And you, can co- you could cover the entire United States by doing that, because, and guarantee you hit every single door, because you're, you're printing out the entire map of everything and you're only working it in small grids, basically. In addition to that, let me add this little piece at the end. If somebody told them, don't call on me anymore, I wanna be on the do not call list, don't come to my door again, they'll write down the house number and put do not disturb on the back of the card, or they'll add it to a congregational list, and they'll put the date, and they won't come to your house ever again, not for 10 more years. Every 10 years, they will revisit a do not disturb person to make sure like it's still, you know, to make sure they still live there and everything because people move pretty frequently. So that's how the do not call list works. And that's how the territory works. Now, in your case, you specifically said you live in a gated community. As I said before, landlords and Jehovah's Witnesses don't make deals with each other, as far as I know. I've never heard of that happening. If there's a gated community, um, they stay out. If there's a gated community, they stay out, unless they know somebody in that gated community who explicitly gets permission from the people. But Jehovah's Witnesses have actually been known to open locked gates before, or open chained gates, they don't really pay close attention to the law. They kind of ignore no trespassing signs for the most part. They ignore locks and things like that. If they can get in, then they're going to get in. They want to save your mortal soul. That's been my experience with it. Hello, Owen. Uh, This is Chris from Texas. Uh, I just saw a lot of articles talking about how religion is on the decline in the U.S., and some stuff saying that it's because of COVID or because evangelicals became too associated with Trump that they alienated people. I just want to know your thoughts on the whole thing. Thanks. When Jehovah's Witnesses don't go to the Kingdom Hall for long enough, like if they go what's called inactive, where they're not knocking on doors, they're not really showing up to the meetings very often or anything like that, the elders will do something called a shepherding call. They'll go to their house, they'll knock on their door, they'll try to get them to sit down with them, they'll ask them why they're not coming to meetings or going in service anymore, kind of poke and prod them and harass them until they get answers. The reason that they do that is because they realize unplugging the programming means they're probably going to walk away from the religion. When you don't have that constant indoctrination flowing into your ear 24-7 basically, there is a risk that you're going to break out of the mind control. Jehovah's Witnesses know that, and that's why they try to prevent it. And that's basically exactly what happened with 
the majority of the country. People couldn't really attend church anymore, not safely, with COVID and everything. So they just kind of stopped going. And suddenly, they just stopped caring completely. That's how it works. That's how it happens. And that's why church attendance is down so far. Unfortunately, COVID and Trump have both had the added side effect of polarizing people dramatically. The center is shrinking a lot. There are fewer and fewer people in the center anymore. Basically, the choice that people have made for the most part in the country is either walk away from church completely and just give up on it and move on with your life or become radicalized, become, you know, a, a church nutcase, like go way, way over the top with all of this. And that's kind of what we've seen. We've seen a lot of radicalization in the United States recently. And it's something that we're going to have to grapple with as a society at some point. We're going to have to deal with the polarization, radicalization, the hatred for the other side, the us versus them mentality that everybody seems to have. It's a problem. Cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, maybe we can find our way through this as a country without some kind of a crazy civil war or something. On another note, actually, before I continue, um, check this shit out. I've had circumstantial evidence that YouTube, there's a, a, a flag on the back end of YouTube that they can flip that will immediately destroy your channel, basically, okay? I've had circumstantial evidence of this, but I haven't been able to prove it because they deny it when it's asked of them. I don't know, maybe a year ago, I did a video on... Um, what was it? I did a video on about um, a call that was made to the atheist experience. This was on my main channel. And it was a Jehovah's Witness calling in, right? And there was some things in there that probably weren't super monetizer friendly. I uploaded it. And they demonetized it. And instantly, my entire channel started to fail. I was getting half the views, half the subscribers, half the everything that my channel normally generates um, for a full week. Eventually, what I ended up doing after getting like, after my channel just decreased in size by 50%, basically, I deleted that video. I removed the words that they didn't, that I thought they wouldn't like, and I re-uploaded it. And instantly... The very next video that I uploaded, my channel shot right back up to where it was before. And that's circumstantial, but that's pretty fucking, you know, I don't know. It's pretty convincing, right? Well, I go about my life, and last week, the same thing happened. I uploaded a video that was encouraging people to get vaccinated. This is on the podcast channel this time. The video was monetized at first, and then it was demonetized randomly like out of the blue like somebody must have reported it and then it went to like youtube and some reviewer decided that they didn't they rated me encouraging people to take the vaccine they rated it as me encouraging people to do a dangerous stunt that wasn't safe like consuming things that aren't supposed to be consumed by humans that's how they rated that video me encouraging people to take the vaccines and as soon, the moment that that video was demonetized by a manual reviewer, like four other of my videos were demonetized 
automatically. My channel started suffering. It went down to half the viewership that it was before. Again, just like last year with my main channel, same shit happened, right? So I challenged that first video, the one about the vaccine. I took it all the way to the very top of YouTube, talked to everybody that I could possibly talk to, and asked them to reconsider me encouraging people to take the vaccine is not harmful or dangerous stunts or whatever. And sure enough, within like 10 minutes, literally 10 minutes is how long it took them to approve it. They re-monetized. That's extremely unusual. It's taken me a week before to hear back from them. Within 10 minutes, they re-monetized it. And I went through and asked for manual review on all the other videos they demonetized. Approved, 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 approved. All of them were approved all over again. It's like a single anti-vaxxer manual reviewer went through my channel and demonetized all of my shit and then marked my channel as inappropriate. Flagged it with that flag that they say doesn't exist. After that flag was seemingly flipped off, the flag that I believe exists but have no concrete evidence for, I released a video the next day, and it was on Enrique Tario. It exploded again. It got like twice as many views as usual. Interesting, right? No concrete evidence for this, the existence of this flag, but that's pretty fucking strong circumstantial evidence, if you ask me. I've actually explained this whole thing in detail with screenshots of time frames, videos, and viewer counts, and everything laid it all out in a PDF to other content creators. And they were like, I don't know. I mean, there's no way to know for sure. I'm kind of skeptical. And I get it. I get it. I get being skeptical. You know, there is no concrete evidence. It's just circumstantial. That's it. But this kind of pushed it over the edge for me. I believe YouTube does have that flag on the back end. Right now, my channels are not flagged, either of them. But I believe that they have been in the past and very easily can be again. And I believe they flag other YouTube channels and just destroy any traffic that they get. Last week, during all of this, you know how many live viewers I got? Some concurrent viewers on this video? 500 or 600. Of course, I was streaming on my main channel too, but that's irrelevant. I got five or 600 concurrent viewers. Now I'm up to 1,245 at this immediate moment. Interesting, right? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Who knows? I should write a book about YouTube and how it works and all of the little ins and outs that I've learned since I started it. I wish YouTube was more honest about things. Like, they've improved in a lot of ways with a lot of shit. Really, YouTube is way better now than they used to be about a lot of stuff. But I wish that they would just be honest about things so that we can figure it out and do the best that we can with the, you know, with honest and clear information instead of trying to fucking guess our way through this whole thing. Satan's little helper. With all these televangelists making false predictions, I'm sorry, false projections and giving false information, do they not realize they're hurting their own cause? Do they not see the more radical they get, the more followers they lose? Well, it depends. The thing is about radicalism, the more radical they get, they may lose some followers, that's true. But the followers that they do have will do anything for them, anything. Um, it's an enthusiasm factor, and you can measure it 
in presidential candidates and things like that. Enthusiasm was high for Donald Trump in 2016, but low for Hillary Clinton. There were fewer people who wanted Donald Trump as president in 2016 than wanted Hillary Clinton, but Donald Trump's base would crawl over broken glass to vote for him. That's the key difference. That's why enthusiasm is important. In the 2020 election, enthusiasm for Biden wasn't very high as a candidate, but it went, it skyrocketed because nobody wanted Donald Trump again. So it wasn't necessarily enthusiasm for Biden. It was enthusiasm against Trump. That factor played in to a high enough degree that Biden won the election. Enthusiasm is extremely important. I have 300,000 subscribers on YouTube almost, right? I'm pretty close. Between my podcast and my main channel, I have 300K. But how many of those are like so devoted to watching my content that they'll donate $50 a month? If each of those people donated $50 a month, each of those 300,000, I'd be getting $15 million per month. That's the power of enthusiasm. And that's what these pastors, these evangelical extremists are trying to leverage. They're trying to leverage the enthusiasm factor and it's working. These people will crawl over broken glass to do anything for these extremist pastors. So yes, they do lose followers, but they gain enthusiasm. That's how cults operate too. These cult members will do absolutely anything for the leaders, anything. Next, we're gonna talk about a former Trump campaign operative planning a rally for those charged in the January 6th riot. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is titled Former Trump Campaign Operative Plans Rally for Those Charged in Capitol Riot. This is on the WashingtonPost.com, and it was written by Ellie Silverman. So let's give this a read and see what it has to say. Law enforcement authorities are monitoring plans by supporters of former President Donald Trump to rally outside the U.S. Capitol later this month to argue that the hundreds of people charged in the January 6th insurrection are political prisoners an assertion that has exploded beyond far-right rallying cries and into mainstream conservatism. Let me tell you where this uh, really got legs. I don't know. I don't think it actually started here, but it really got legs with this clip from Madison Cawthorn. Actually, I think I covered this last week, maybe. Check this out. We are doing support for 535 Americans that were killed so madison cawthorn this was like a rally that he had in georgia i believe and this person is basically asking what are you gonna do to help the 535 americans captured basically by enemy combatants that's how they're viewing this they believe that on january 6th when they broke into the capitol and, and broke the law and got arrested for that, they believe that the arrests 
were unjustified and wrong and were being done by the deep state. These people are off their fucking rockers. Seriously, they are off their fucking rockers. And Madison Cawthorn, a U.S. congressman, is contributing to it, supporting it, and lending credence to it. This is not a little problem. This isn't just a few fucking... This isn't just a few nutter butters. This is real. These people are spreading this meme far and wide. And it's so far and wide at this point that we have a new date for the next January 6th insurrection. September 18th. Right now, as of filming this, it's September 12th. By the time this clip comes out, I think it's probably going to be September 14th, so we'll have about four days after this clip comes out on my channel, before this right-wing extremist event takes place, this event being organized by a former Trump campaign operative. I'm hoping we're not going to see any kind of serious political violence, but I'm not holding my breath that we won't. I think it's likely that we will. But the difference between this event, the, the new September 18th thing, and January 6th is that on January 6th, people were there for a reason. They were there with goals in mind right outside where the lawmakers were. I'm not sure that they're going to be there at the Capitol where the lawmakers are while they're in session. They knew exactly where every congressman and senator were at that moment in time. And that's why they brought bombs and zip-tie handcuffs and gallows. In this case, as far as I know, I'm not really sure that there is some congressional event taking place at the Capitol or wherever this event is happening. So it's possible that this is just going to be a peaceful protest. If it is, if it is truly a peaceful protest and there's no political violence, great. That's America, baby. That's what this place is all about. Speaking your mind, protesting peacefully. That's what it's all about. But something tells me it's not going to be like that. Something tells me there is going to be political violence, and we should be very concerned. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's keep reading the article and see what else it says. Look Ahead America, a nonprofit group founded and led by Matt Brainerd, a former Trump campaign operative, is planning a Justice for J6 rally on September 18th to bring its message to Washington. Brainerd's followers believe many of the more than 570 people who've been charged with federal crimes in the attack were nonviolent and reasonably believed they had permission to enter the Capitol, according to a January 29th letter Brainerd sent to the Department of Justice and FBI. Brainerd's letter demands prosecutors drop all charges. That's completely fucking absurd. They busted the doors down. If I can find footage of it, I'll insert it right here. They busted the door down. They were being guided away by police who were backing up, trying not to get themselves hurt, and they were chasing the people down. January 6th was a full-blown terrorist event. I don't give a shit if you thought you were allowed to go into the Capitol when you were sitting there. They literally busted the door down. They did not have permission to enter. They broke the fucking door. They trampled over people. I don't care what excuse they use. They need to be in prison. They need to pay the consequences for this. 
Let's keep reading. Brainerd's group requested to hold its rally at Union Square, the public park by the Capitol reflecting pool, according to a permit application his group submitted to the U.S. Capitol Police Board and provided to the Washington Post. Although local authorities have not provided crowd estimates, Look Ahead America estimates that 700 people will attend, up from an earlier estimate of 500 in a previous permit application. Plans for a counter-protest began to circulate online this week. D.C. Police, Capitol Police, and U.S. Park Police met with the group on Wednesday so that the group could answer questions about its permit request. The conference call seemed to be the next phase in the process, but authorities have not yet granted the permit for the event. Kimmy Gonzalez, the group's director of government affairs who attended the meeting, said in an interview Thursday, I believe they should be granted the permit if they believe that they're not going to be violent. If they think they're going to be violent, they shouldn't be given a permit to protest there. The permit application described the event as a peaceful demonstration of our First Amendment rights. The planned rally comes as the city is still recovering from three attacks in eight months in the nation's capital. A violent mob stormed the seat of U.S. government on January 6th, disrupting Congress from confirming President Biden's election victory and resulting in the deaths of five people. In April, a man rammed his car into a barricade outside the building, killing a Capitol Police officer, and last month, a man threatening that he had a bomb parked a truck near the Capitol and demanded to speak to Biden. Holy fucking shit. That's batty. That's fucking batty. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. There's a place called Patriots.Win. It's basically the Donald subreddit after it got kicked off of, sub, uh, off of Reddit. And I always go here to kind of gauge the room, figure out how people are feeling about things, and see what the, the latest twisted propaganda is, that kind of thing. This is a post on the Donald subreddit, basically patriots.win. Um, it was posted one hour ago, 10 upvotes. So word is that there's going to be a rally on September 18th in DC regarding the January 6th political prisoners. Is this thing an inside op or the real deal? What can we expect? And the top comment so far, five upvotes, says it's Matt Brainerd's group. The guy did a lot of calling and research of voting irregularities. I think he is legit and has now gotten focused on the civil rights abuses of 16 detainees. However, he has been advertising it for a few weeks, and I'm sure Jake Sullivan types and somebody wearing a Yushanka and a bus full of people handing out bats and bricks is a possibility. I don't know what a Yushanka is. Hang on, let me look that up real quick so I know. Oh, it's a Russian fur cap. So basically, they're preparing the narrative. If things go wrong, they're going to blame it on Antifa. It's, it's Matt Brainerd's group. Dude was a Trump campaign operative. But if things go wrong, they can blame it on Antifa. If things go right, they can thank Matt Brainerd for it. That's how this is going to work. The only way things go right for the narrative, for the sake of the narrative is if it stays peaceful. If it gets violent, they're going to look fucking terrible. The, the last thing that these people actually really want is violence. And um, that means they're going to have to restrain themselves. Do we think that Trump extremists can do that? Is that something they're capable of? Like Proud Boys and other extremist types? Are they capable of restraining themselves and keeping their cool and exercising their right to protest peacefully or is it going to turn into a violent mess what are the chances i guess we're just going to have to wait and see maybe by the time you watch this video we'll already know how it turned out 
someone else said, well, I feel like no one on our side is even talking about it. I don't know. For all we know, it's just being spread around on all the underground Antifa forums, and they're all going to show up dressed like Trump supporters and start shit. Yeah, this is them prepping the narrative right now. This is them prepping the narrative. We already know exactly who is running the group, running the rally or the protest or whatever, and we know how they feel about things and what they believe. Uh, this is not Antifa. This is Matt Brainerd, a campaign operative for Trump. We know exactly how this is going down. If there is violence, they are ultimately to blame. They should have kept their cool. We'll know one way or another if it's the protesters or the counter-protesters who start shit. I'm sure there will be people watching on each side to see how things play out. Anyways, there's another article I want to look at, ctvnews.ca. It's a Canadian website, I believe. Title is, ex-FBI official says law enforcement needs to take upcoming right-wing rally in D.C. very seriously. Let's give this article a read and see what it has to say. It was written by Paul LeBlanc. Former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe said Monday evening that law enforcement needs to take the upcoming right-wing rally in support of jailed January 6 rioters very seriously as concerns mount about more potential violence on Capitol Hill. I think they should take it very seriously. In fact, they should take it more seriously than they took the same sort of intelligence that they likely saw on January 5th, McCabe, a CNN contributor, told CNN's Poppy Harlow on Aaron Burnett out front. Law enforcement members in Washington are steeling themselves against possible unrest at the Justice for J6 rally, planned for September 18th, which aims to support the insurrectionists charged in the riot. The event, organized by a former Trump campaign staffer, has prompted security concerns on Capitol Hill, and some precautionary measures will be in place. However, it's unclear how many protesters plan to attend. The rally is also taking place on Saturday when the House will be on recess, so far fewer lawmakers or staff will be around. That's good news. For that reason, I don't think that there's going to be serious risk of violence. I think it's most likely going to be peaceful. If they can keep their cool in front of counter-protesters, then it will be peaceful. How many people were at January 6th Capitol attack? Um, I was wondering, it is difficult if not impossible to estimate... Well, 500 and something people have been arrested so far. I'm guessing it was about 1,000 people. I see a, an article here trying to estimate it, roughly. I'm perfectly prepared to believe there were several thousand people there, even 10,000 maybe, but when you start pushing that up to 100,000 and so on, that's not going to be true. I don't think it was 10,000. I think that's very unrealistic and unlikely. Maybe at, like, the events before the Capitol riot, like, you know, where Trump was standing there talking, giving his speech, and a bunch of other people gave their speeches, and then Trump told everyone to walk down to the Capitol with him, and then he took a pit stop on, along the way and let them continue on their merry way to the Capitol. At those events, there may have been 10,000. But I don't think at the Capitol there were 10,000, maybe 5,000. Crowd estimation is very, very difficult, and it's a science. And it's a science I don't understand, honestly, either. So I really can't speak to it. I'm guessing five to 10,000 people originally. This newest protest is going to have 500 to 1,000, roughly. So significantly smaller. And there's smaller risk because the lawmakers won't be in session, as mentioned by the article. So that's where we stand with it currently. We're basically just going to have to sit back and wait and watch and see what happens and hope that Trump supporters can show a little bit of restraint and 
show us that they know how to be calm, peaceful protesters inside instead of raging lunatics. Hope for the best. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Mark Taylor losing the script about the vaccine. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Mark Taylor. I've talked about him a few times before, but I want to catch you guys up because it's been a while. He's in the news again. If you guys were unaware of who this is, I pulled up a The Daily Beast article about him. Uh, I read this a long time ago on the podcast, like forever ago, year probably. And I just wanted to give you guys just a little bit of an update to remind you. So let's give this a read. It's an article on The Daily Beast. The title is God Gave Us the Donald, Firefighter Prophet Says in Film, and it's written by Will Somer. It was written October 7th, 2018, so it's a little bit older, but like I said, I'll give you a little context for who the guy is. Retired firefighter Mark Taylor was snoozing in front of a Donald Trump appearance on Fox News one afternoon in 2011 when he started to hear a voice coming from the TV. But the sound wasn't coming from the real estate mogul, Taylor would claim later. It was coming from God. I've chosen this man, Donald Trump, for such a time as this, Taylor claims the voice told him. For as Benjamin Netanyahu is to Israel, so shall this man be to the United States of America. Oh my God. Taylor became convinced that he had received a divine prophecy that Trump would become president. You know what's interesting? Isn't Benjamin Netanyahu out out of power in Israel now? Yeah. Yeah, how about that shit? Uh, Netanyahu is no longer the prime minister of Israel. Now it's Naftali Bennett. But the fact that he said Benjamin Netanyahu is super ultra mega important to Israel implies to me that the guy probably thought that some shit was going to go down while Netanyahu was in power, i.e. Armageddon or something. Some big event, biblical event was going to take place with Netanyahu at the helm. Now he's not the prime minister anymore. Interesting. And nothing happened. But God told the firefighter prophet Mark Taylor that Trump was just as important as Benjamin Netanyahu. Let's keep reading. Taylor became convinced that he'd received the divine prophecy that Trump would become president. He felt sure that after hearing the voice that Trump would run against Barack Obama and win the White House in 2012. Trump didn't end up running for president in 2012, and Obama won re-election. But in 2015, after Trump launched his presidential bid, Taylor circled back to his old vision. Maybe his prophecy was right all along. God had only let Obama win, Taylor would later claim so that Americans would build up a righteous anger for Trump's eventual presidential bid. Taylor's prophecy caught fire during the 2016 election with a certain segment of the GOP's evangelical base. Now it's been turned into a new movie, The Trump Prophecy, which promotes the idea that Trump is God's anointed candidate, while also standing some of the crazier edges off of Taylor and his prophecies. The movie, which was available in theaters for just two days last year, again, this is written in 2018, so it was available for two days in 2017, was produced with students and faculty from Jerry Falwell's Liberty University. 
but the film was even contentious at the ultra-conservative school where students worried that working on a heretical movie about a modern-day prophet would damage their careers, circulated a petition against it. Fascinating, okay? So that's a little background into who Mark Taylor is. They made a movie about him at Liberty University, and the fact that he prophesied that Donald Trump was going to be the next president, according to God. God told him, gave him this message, that Trump would be so important to the world that he was going to put him in as president himself. That brings us to our next article. This is, again, an older one. This one came out November 16th, 2020, and the title is, Mark Taylor claims talk of a COVID vaccine is code for Trump's plans to arrest the cabal. Mark Taylor basically uh, appeared on this guy's podcast. It's called the Erskine Podcast, I believe. Again, this was in November of 2020. Yeah, mid-November 2020. It was after the election had ended, and it was when the vaccines were on their way out. It's when evangelicals still wanted the vaccines to come out quickly because Trump was producing them, or, or so they felt, so they thought. So check out this podcast appearance on the Erskine podcast where Mark Taylor is talking to Erskine about the vaccine. Wait, can you guys hear it? No, you can't. I can't hear it either. It's because I have to switch screens. Hold up. Oh, son of a bitch. Have I not been on the right screen this whole time? I haven't been. I'm sorry. I've been reading with that. You guys have just been staring at my beautiful face this whole time. Damn. It's fine. I'll fix that in post in editing. Okay. Let's keep listening. Uh, let's listen to the clip. They're calling, even calling it the Biden vaccine. This is Erskine. And isn't it interesting? They wait till a week after the election to announce they have a vaccine. Right. This has been uh, set up from the This one is Mark Taylor talking beginning from the Democrats, you know, whether it was trying to hurt Trump with the COVID, whether it was trying to hurt him uh, with this or that. I'm sorry, trying to hurt Trump with the COVID, quote unquote. The Democrats were trying to hurt Trump with the COVID. Democrats didn't invent this fucking virus. This shit just came along. This is how society fucking works. Pandemics take place. They happen. It's not really anybody's fault. We have to worry about this shit as a society. And we always have. I mean, there have been pandemics throughout history. We have virus DNA in our fucking bodies from like forever ago. This is how it works. Nobody, in my opinion, is really to blame for this virus. But what Trump did to try to mitigate the damage of the virus, that's what I care about. Let's keep listening. I mean, there's so many different things. You know, the vaccine, I, I tell people, if you were listening to Trump back in the COVID times, to a lot of his press conferences... Trump's 10 steps ahead of everybody. Oh, is that so? Trump is 10 steps ahead of everybody? This is news to me. Trump's 10 steps ahead of everybody. And when you listen to him speak, every time that he would say the word COVID, switch that out with the word cabal. Mm -hmm. Every time that he, he says, what is the cure? The vaccine. What is the vaccine? We the people in the military. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you guys picking up on what he's saying here? So this guy, Mark Taylor, is basically saying you can take everything that Donald Trump says... And if you replace the word vaccine with the word military and you replace, what was it? You listen to him speak. Every time that he would say the word COVID, switch that out with the word cabal. Okay, so when he says the word COVID, he means cabal, which is like the deep state, the people trying to, you know, control the world and do evil things or whatever. And the word vaccine, switch that out with military. So Mark Taylor, in this podcast appearance, 
is basically saying that Donald Trump is speaking in code. When Donald Trump talks about the virus, he's really talking about the deep state. And when he talks about the vaccine, he's really talking about the military. The virus will cure COVID. The military will take out the deep state. That's basically what he's saying. I have no clue, like, is this guy getting secret messages from God or something that's telling him this stuff? Where is he getting this batshit crazy information? I don't fucking know. He, he says, what is the cure? The vaccine. What is the vaccine? We the people in the military. When they go in and they start arresting these people. Oh, yeah. Has that happened or what? Um, they seem to believe that the military is going to go in and arrest a bunch of people, a bunch of Democrats, a bunch of Republicans, all just everybody throughout the entire government is going to be arrested for I don't fucking know what. W what do QAnoners believe they're going to arrest them for? Crimes against humanity and all that other stuff. Has that happened? I mean, Trump is now out of power completely. Remember, this video or this podcast appearance happened in November of 2020. So uh, a little bit under a year ago now. This is before Trump left office officially, before Biden was inaugurated. All this shit was supposed to go down before Trump left office. What happened? Were you wrong, Mark Taylor? Is that what happened? Were you incorrect? Were you just talking straight out of your ass? Is that what happened? I think this, he was giving code out a lot of times to the people because there's always more than one depth of revelation to what he says. Isn't that a fascinating choice of words? Revelation. There's always more than one depth of revelation to what Donald Trump says. Earlier, I got a super chat from the biggest of Chungai, and they said, how long do you think it'll be before a religious leader says, that's it, we worship Trump now, he's the Messiah, we don't care about Jesus anymore. And I pointed out that they just kind of subtly slipped that in. That's just kind of what they started doing without saying it overtly. That's what's happening right now. Mark Taylor is a pastor of a church, a real church, and he's referring to Donald Trump as a messiah and reading the words that he says as revelation. No joke. He's so much far ahead of the game. So the vaccine is the cure for what? The cabal. That's what's going to happen, I believe, when they release the vaccine. That is so completely unhinged from reality, I honestly don't even know what to say about it. But it gets even crazier in this podcast. Keep listening. We're going to go with Corona. It's called the coronavirus. Now, if you go with Corona, C-O-R-O-N-A, six letters. C is the number third letter in the alphabet. O is the 15th letter. R is the 18th. O is the 15th. N is the 14th. A is the first. Six letters in Corona. Those other numbers add up to 66. 666. A cult-driven script and a Luciferian human sacrifice a mega ritual. This is what Satan uses, and that's it. 666, Corona. Is that coincidence? I don't buy coincidence. Do you? Nope. Yep. That's where we are now. That's the level of discourse. That's what these people believe. These people are so completely and totally disconnected from reality at this point. Is there any bringing them back down to earth? I don't know. I, I don't know how we'd even go about doing that. They are not even in the same reality as us at this point. 
Seriously. Anyways, as I was saying, Mark Taylor's actually in the news again. There's an article about him on Friendly Atheist website written by Beth Stoneburner titled MAGA cultist Mark Taylor, Vaccines are one of the biggest genocides ever. So I wanted to give this article a read and then we'll check the clip out and uh, see what Mark Taylor had to say for himself. Let's give this a read. Christian right activist and conspiracy theorist Mark Taylor, the subject of the Liberty University-connected film The Trump Prophecy, and guy who once said Trump discussing potential COVID vaccines was code for arresting satanic people-eating pedophiles, has been MIA on this site, at least for the past several months. But fear not, he just broke his silence to declare that the vaccines are genocide and that President Joe Biden is a traitor. Let's give this clip a watch and see what old Mark Taylor had to say for himself here. This clip came out early September 2021. We have got to stand up to this stuff. This is a genocide that is taking place right now, Paul. Yeah. And where is the church? That flipped pretty fucking quick. They were all in favor of the vaccine until the moment Trump left office and suddenly the vaccine's been a plot to destroy good Republican men since day one. Since the moment it was invented, it's been out there to hurt people. There's no consistency in what they say or do or think. It doesn't exist. Do you know these people's singular goal? To destroy their enemy. That's it. Mark Taylor and right-wing evangelical types' only goal is to own the libs, to hurt the other, to separate themselves into an us-versus-them mentality, separate themselves into us-versus-them tribes, identify their enemy and destroy them at any cost, even if it costs them moral consistency. They don't care. They want to destroy the other. Let's keep listening. Where's the prophets? Where are they? Because the fact, of the, mat- the fact of the matter is, this is going to go down as one of the biggest genocides in world history right now. And only we can stop it. We the people can stop it. Again, the faster we rise up and do something, the faster this stuff will be over with. Look, I'm sick and tired of hearing Joe Biden impeach Joe Biden. Yeah. You and I both know this is going to be nothing Okay, in an right. impeachment, just like it was with Clinton. This is actually a pretty big deal that he's saying this. It, it doesn't seem like it at first glance, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, has been filing articles of impeachment against Joe Biden for since she got elected into office. It's obnoxious, honestly. Um, the House is not controlled by Republicans, and even if it was, the articles of impeachment are ridiculous and meaningless, and they almost certainly wouldn't pass the House anyways. And if they did pass the House, they would not pass the Senate. Zero chance of that happening. Even a Republican-controlled Senate, it is difficult to impeach a president. You have to have a supermajority, I believe, 67 votes in the Senate to eject a president. It's not very easy. It's nearly impossible to get that done. It was so difficult to do that that even after Trump was already out of office, and even after he had actually inspired a real full-blown violent insurrection, we still couldn't get him impeached. That's how difficult it is. I mean, we still couldn't get him removed from office. He was impeached twice. There's zero chance of Joe Biden being impeached, basically. Zero. And Mark Taylor realizes that and sees Marjorie Taylor Greene's attempts as what it is. It's a stunt. 
And he apparently doesn't like that very much. Let's keep listening. Just like it was with Clinton. I'm tired of hearing about the 25th Amendment. Look, I want him, his administration, Milley, and these other generals that are responsible for Afghanistan, they need to be arrested and charged with treason. Uh, Okay, what did they do that was treasonous? Because even what Donald Trump did would be questionably treasonous. The definition of treason in the U.S. Constitution is... Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. A case could be made that Donald Trump did do that while in office with the January 6th people. Obviously, based on what Madison Cawthorn, Congressman Madison Cawthorn, was saying earlier in a recent video. We are going to support the 535 Americans that were killed captured in... They view the insurrectionists as of a different nationality than the people who arrested them, obviously. I mean, that's that's what I'm picking up from it, right? If they really view the insurrectionists on January 6th as a different nationality from everybody else, that could lead me to think that they are responsible for being treasonous. I mean, there, there would be an argument there to say that Trump committed treason, but not necessarily before that. I would say before that, he was committing sedition. The definition of sedition is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. The difference is Donald Trump, it, you know, Donald Trump encourages people to get violent or rebel against the country that they live in. With treason, he's actually assisting political enemies, foreign outside enemies, to attack the government that he's running. That would kind of be the difference for Donald Trump's sake. Honestly, I don't think that it was treasonous, anything that Trump really did. There is an argument there for it, but I don't think that's the right word. I think the right word is sedition. And there is a hell of a lot of sedition going on right now, like in the United States. Republicans have been extremely, disturbingly seditious lately. Let's get back to the article and see what else Beth Stoneburner had to say. Jews and Native Americans would like a word with Mark Taylor about one of the biggest genocides in world history. That's a good fucking point, huh? Yeah, um, a lot of people don't really know this, but or or didn't really connect the dots. I can tell you I didn't connect the dots on this, but the Trail of Tears and other horrific events in American history, that was straight up full-blown genocide. The U.S. committed genocide against Native Americans. I didn't really view it that way before. Maybe that's because the teacher who, who was in the classroom teaching me about it didn't want me to view it that way. I don't fucking know. But it wasn't until years later after I had already gotten out of school when I started to realize that Native Americans really were full-blown genocided by the U.S. government. It was horrific. And again, the Jews probably have a, a word for Mr. Mark Taylor here about the biggest genocide in, U- in world history. This is Beth Stoneburner speaking again. And we know where the church is, quote-unquote. Churches, many of them anyway, are furthering the genocide by preaching against vaccination. Well said. It's astonishing that people pushing this particular conspiracy, that vaccines are out to get you, are going up against the very obvious fact 
that people in hospitals right now are overwhelmingly unvaccinated. If this is a genocide, then the plotters must be using reverse psychology by trying to save everyone's lives. The simple solution is that the vaccines just work. But Taylor refuses to accept that because his entire mindset rests on a mound of conspiracies. It's no wonder he's blaming everything on Biden, despite how Trump's COVID ignorance made a bad situation much, much worse. I found it really fascinating what Beth Stoneburner said here. Um, It's astonishing that people pushing this particular conspiracy, that vaccines are out to get you, are going up against the very obvious fact that the people in hospitals right now are overwhelmingly unvaccinated. I want to show you guys a quick clip. Um, I haven't, hang on, hang on, maybe this is it. I am not going to. Yep, this is it, this is it, okay. It's not by definition of. Okay, hold up, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, and you guys know I'm OCD, so I have to fix this and get it pixel fucking perfect. There is no such thing as close enough with pixel, per- or with an OCD person. Okay, here we go. You guys have probably seen this before, but I just want to play it for you just to refresh your memory on it. Give this clip a listen. It's not by definition a vaccine. Then what is it? It is, it, it is a human trial. The caption says, my dad trying to buy me off from getting the vaccine. It is, it is genetic therapy. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't fall under the category of a vaccine. It's not FDA approved. Why are you trying to buy me off with it, though? Because I love you. Why do you think I want to buy you off? I I don't want money, though. Like I know you don't, but I don't know what else to do. You didn't do this to Michael and Kelsey. They already got it. Don't you think I know that? Don't you think I know that? What do you think I'm fucking crazy? Your mother got it. Why do you think I'm fucking crazy? My family is gone. My family is gone. By the end of this flu season, most of you will be dead. What the fuck do you expect me to be? That's fucking sad. This guy believes that his family is all going to be dead. By the end of the flu season. And it's thanks to people like old Mark Taylor here. Spreading the idea that the vaccine is a genocide. That is exactly what this guy believed. He bought what Mark Taylor had to say. Hook, line, and sinker. He ate it up. (laughs) My family is gone. My family is gone. By the end of this flu season, most of you will be dead. What the fuck do you expect me to be? That's fucking sad. What Mark Taylor is doing here by talking about how this vaccine is a genocide. Not only is it increasing vaccine hesitancy, which is objectively a bad thing, because I want to increase the number of people who survive this situation, it's also leading to people having complete mental breakdowns, like like that guy was. We have got to do something about this complete ass backwards view of reality we gotta do something to help people come back to reality to break out of their programming break out of the the mind control that the mind control that they've been subjected to much like i was subjected to it when i was a jehovah's witness we have to find a way to help these people get out of it otherwise we're going to just end up with more people like this guy here. 
Because Blue Season most of you have been dead. What the fuck do you expect me to be? Next, we're going to talk about Pastor John MacArthur, whose church caught COVID because he ignored laws about social distancing. And now, the state of California has finally settled the case against him. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled, Watch This Insane Mega Church Celebrate Its Rejection of Masks and Distancing. This is actually an older article from August 16th, 2020, but I wanted to give it a read. I, I have read it before on air, and there's a clip that comes with it I've watched also. I wanted to give you a little bit of lead up to the next article we're going to talk about, which is California Settles Case with COVID Denying Church whose pastor caught COVID. Let me give you a little bit of information on what was happening at this time. Again, this was August, mid-August, okay? That's when this this clip came out from this church. This is Grace Community Church. The pastor is John MacArthur. This is right when the U.S. was trying to figure out COVID, trying to figure out what to do about it, how to survive, what kind of social distancing things we needed to do, Everybody was trying to wear masks and be careful because there was no vaccine yet. All we needed churches to do was to use Zoom. Barring that, social distance and wear masks. And California actually sued some churches to try to force them to at least wear masks and social distance, bare minimum. And that's what happened. Uh, they sued this guy, John MacArthur, tried to get him to do that. Watch this clip. This is him defying the request to wear masks and social distance in his church. Thank you. All that and I haven't even said anything. We're having church. It's, um, it's actually hard to figure out exactly what the uh, city is trying to do? No, it's not. It's pretty fucking clear, actually. They're trying to save lives. They were trying to get you to do things safely, which you absolutely refused to do. Now we know what would happen in a pandemic. Any Ever wonder, ever wonder what would happen? Who would the super spreaders be? Now we know. Uh, with us and to us, but we know they don't want us to do exactly what we're doing right now. And what's that? Let's be super clear. Nobody wanted you to not hold church service. That's not what we wanted. That's not even what California wanted or the city. What they wanted was for you to hold church over Zoom. Barring that, wear masks and social distance. And we're, we're not meeting, we're not meeting because we want to be rebellious. We're meeting because our Lord has commanded us to come together and worship Him. Okay, that can be done through Zoom, or if not through Zoom, then it can be done social distancing. Just set the chairs six feet apart from each other. 
Why is it so fucking difficult? I don't understand. Why is it so difficult to go in wearing masks, checking temperatures at the door? Why is that so fucking hard? This is about a rebellious spirit. In the end, that's what it's about. They wanted to rebel against the authority of the land, which, by the way, is in direct contradiction to what the Bible tells them to do. The Bible specifically says, obey the laws of the land that you live in, and they are refusing to. Commanded us to come together and worship him. There was a court order that um, granted this church and this church alone the right to meet indoors, and the powers of the city were not happy about that. They were going to be asking us to do two things, uh, social distance and wear masks. Super simple, straightforward requests, right? Couldn't be more easy than that. Hand out masks at the door. Hell, you don't even have to hand out masks. I'm sure these people can get their hands on some masks, right? Just tell them to come to church with masks on. That would make things a little bit better at least. So you're trying. They didn't want to do that. They didn't even want to fucking try. They didn't even want to pretend to look like they're trying. They specifically set out to look like they are rebellious. Exactly the thing that he said they're not trying to do. That was until yesterday when the city, we agreed, look, we'll, we'll comply for a few weeks. They asked that for three weeks. We're not wanting to be defiant. We, we will do what is reasonable. Okay, well, this is the very next church service after that, so why aren't you complying? Why aren't you wearing masks and social distancing? I don't understand. What happened? You said you'd do what was reasonable, and you just listed masks and social distancing as reasonable. Is this dude just completely full of shit? Is he, once again, just trying to own the libs? Trying to get one over on, his, on who he views to be his enemy? This is fucking sad. That was not enough for the city, so they went to the appellate court at the last minute on Saturday late and had that order removed. So the good news is you're here, you're not distancing, and you're not wearing masks. Why is that good news? You know what came of this? COVID swept through the church. I think they had like 30 cases of it or something. Everybody got sick, including, I believe, the pastor himself. They all got sick because they were acting like fools. Where did that get you, Mr. John MacArthur of Grace Community Church? Where did acting like a fool get you? It got you and your congregation sick. This next clip that came out, this is late August 2021. So this one is recent. It's about a year later. And the article connected to it is titled California Settles Case with COVID-Denying Church Whose Pastor Caught COVID. Let's give this article a read. It's by Hem and Meta on the Friendly Atheist website. See what it has to say. For more than a year now, we've been talking about the COVID denial of Pastor John MacArthur of Grace Community Church in California. This is the person who openly celebrated the lack of social distancing and face masks in his congregation, once telling a packed house, the good news is you're here, you're not distancing, and you're not wearing masks. In August of 2020, he falsely claimed there is no pandemic. I remember that. 
And then in October, there was an outbreak at his church. The Los Angeles County Department of Public Health confirmed three cases had been traced back to the ministry. That number soon grew larger. Obviously, these people are predisposed to being anti-vaxxers, or at least anti-COVID vaxxers, because they're ultra-religious evangelicals. And they are obviously opposed to masks, to just using masks, not even mask mandates. They're opposed to using masks at all and opposed to social distancing. Is it really any surprise that COVID swept through the church? I'd be surprised if it hadn't. But let's keep reading. MacArthur denied the seriousness of this, basically writing off a small handful of positive tests in a congregation of thousands. By mid-November, whatever temporary restrictions the church had instituted were gone. But by December, reporter Julie Royce spoke with a church leader who told her that multiple members of MacArthur's staff had caught COVID. MacArthur, not surprisingly, denied all of this. While all this was going on, the church was battling the LA Department of Public Health, which banned them from meeting indoors and demanded that they respect social distancing guidelines if they met outdoors. Hey, that's a fair solution, right? Hold church outdoors. Go, you know, get a big-ass circus tent like Greg Locke has, throw it up, and hold service under the tent. That's a fair solution. You don't want to do Zoom. You don't want to do social distancing or masks. Hold it outside. They don't even want to do that. They literally want to do the exact opposite of anything that the health officials tell them to do. If I were the health officials at this point, I might even go as far as to tell them to not take the vaccine specifically so that maybe there's a chance their rebellious attitude they deny, quote unquote, will force them to take it anyways. Let's keep reading. This, to MacArthur, amounted to Christian persecution, and he sued. That's the order for them to hold service outdoors. The county even submitted an article from Roy's website about COVID infesting church leaders as evidence for why their demands need to be taken seriously, but in response, MacArthur rejected all the dots that Roy's connected. It was completely bonkers. This is a quote, from Grace Community Church. Since we're forbidden by the teaching of Christ not to make extra-biblical religious rules that bind men's consciences, we neither mandate nor forbid the wearing of masks in worship. What is he even talking about? Extra-biblical religious rules that bind men's consciences. Fascinating. Well, the Bible is actually in favor of abortion uh, in a couple of different places. Does that mean that they're in favor of abortion? because being opposed to it is extra-biblical. Let's keep reading Grace Community Church's statement. Regardless of whether it can be proved statistically that masks really safeguard anyone from the virus, which it has been a billion times over, COVID masks have become, in effect, secularism substitute for religious vestments. What? What does that even mean? I'm fucking confused. No one can reasonably deny that face coverings have become the chief symbol of popular culture's sanctimonious devotion to the secular credo. Is he saying that like only people who actually accept science wear masks? That seems to kind of be self-evident, right? If you accept scientific evidence for something, then you'll follow the logical conclusion that it has to provide. If you accept the scientific evidence that masks work, logically, you'll want to wear masks. Obviously, this guy's looking for any excuse to not wear a mask and looking for any excuse to scream Christian persecution, naturally. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. MacArthur's argument was that face masks amounted to forced acceptance of a secular religion, which wasn't true because there was no evidence of them being useful, which was also not true. 
there's more than enough evidence pointing to mass being useful. That's true. There is a lot of evidence for that. He also said that the Bible required face-to-face worship, so making people wear masks at a crowded indoor church service, which was really the least they could do since they were all foolish enough to worship in person, would be unjust. Fascinatingly enough, as a side note, I just want to point out the fact that the Bible actually told people to wear masks. This is Leviticus 13, 45, and 46. Anyone with such a defiling disease, talking about an illness, a pandemic that they're suffering from, must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face. Huh! That sounds like the Bible ordering people to wear masks. Doesn't it sound like that to you? Sounds like that to me. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. Now check this last part out. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Sounds like social distancing to me. How about that shit? The Bible is encouraging people to social distance and wear masks. But what does this guy say? John MacArthur says... It is an extra-biblical religious rule, and it's part of a secular religion. Sounds to me like this guy doesn't know his fucking Bible. Let's keep reading the article. This is Hemant Mehta. In the past few days, we've seen a couple major updates to this story that bear mentioning. The first is that we now know MacArthur himself caught COVID in December. He never announced that publicly because he was too busy downplaying the seriousness of the virus. And yet, on Sunday, he admitted that he and his wife had been infected. Quote, before his August 29th sermon, MacArthur had said many people contracted COVID. It probably went through our church in maybe December or January. He also said his wife, Patricia, and I enjoyed our own bout with COVID for about a week and a half at the time. Well, 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 says Hemant Mehta, but there's some bad news too. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors voted this week to settle the lawsuit with MacArthur, knowing that the Supreme Court has already told California it can't enforce a ban on indoor worship. Therefore, Fighting it in court would only be a waste of money. That means they'll shell out $400,000 to the church, with the state of California giving the church another $400,000. Quote, Resolving this litigation is a responsible and appropriate thing to do. We are grateful to the county's faith organizations for their continued partnership to keep their congregants and the entire community safe and protected from COVID-19. What? They're grateful to the county's faith organizations for continuing to keep the community safe. The faith organizations were the worst super spreaders in this whole fucking thing. Did these people not remember the last 12 fucking months when these people refused to just do the most basic, straightforward, simple shit like wear masks and social distance, hold meetings on Zoom, all that shit. They refused. They were gonna go down with the ship. And guess what? Most of them, a great many of the leaders that refuse to wear masks or social distance or hold church online, caught COVID, just like this guy, John MacArthur. 100% his fault. He's getting his just desserts with that one. But he is a vector of illness as a result. I don't want him to have gotten COVID. I don't want his congregation to catch COVID because they're going to go around licking their hands and high-fiving their friends. My daughter, Kylie, actually told me that's what kids in school used to do back in the day. Um, That was oddly specific. I really don't know why kids would be doing things like that. But uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned that the church here is doing that kind of shit too. Don't touch anybody or anything anywhere. That's what I've learned through this entire fucking pandemic. Anyway, let's keep reading. 
This is Hemet Mehta again. The end result is that a pastor who downplayed the risk of COVID and repeatedly put his own congregation at risk of the virus and then caught the virus and kept it a secret because he knew how bad it would look filed a lawsuit against the government that was trying to protect the citizens and relied on the right-wing bent of our legal system to claim victory. What a mess. The irony is that no one was ever preventing MacArthur from live-streaming his services. He chose not to do that because he wanted to hurt people in the name of Jesus. MacArthur's followers still belong to a death cult, even if they survived COVID, and their leader is a wildly ignorant, selfish person who doesn't give a damn about health or well-being of anyone else. Apparently even himself. Honestly, I can't believe that he was foolish enough. That's not insulting, right? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do this without insulting anybody. I don't like, I don't believe in insults. So let me try to approach this from a diplomatic perspective. I can't believe that he was stubborn enough to put himself in harm's way, genuinely, himself and his congregation. He could have done this the safe, easy way. Even if he decided not to live stream the events, which why the fuck wouldn't he? But even if he decided not to, if he, even if he wanted to hold them in person, indoors, he could have worn masks and he could have social distanced. He intentionally set out not to do those things. Why? Your guess is as good as mine. But he paid the consequences. And the rest of society paid the consequences for him too. Thank you for violating my right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness by endangering my life by being a vector of an illness. I appreciate that very much, John MacArthur. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.